Paul has never actually met the church in Rome. He wasn't the person who planted the church in Rome. According to church history, nobody actually knows who planted the church in Rome. However, most theologians assert that the church was a product of Christian Jews and Christian proselytes or uh, converts to Judaism who had returned home to Rome after their conversion on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, Jewish people from all over the world had come to Jerusalem to celebrate a festival called Shavuot, uh, or uh, the the Feast of Weeks. And as we know, uh, based on Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God fell, and we, we call that Pentecost, right? And so Pentecost happened, and immediately after the Spirit of God fell, uh, uh, Peter and the eleven, this is a really important piece of the story, but Peter and the eleven stood up and proclaimed a gospel message. I think that is an amazing view of somehow all 12 apostles, Judas had already met his end by this point, and Matthias had been elected as the 12th, and so Acts tells us that Judah, or that uh, Peter and the 11 stood up and they proclaimed the gospel. Uh, and on that day when they proclaimed the gospel, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. But Luke even records the origins of those people who were converted or those people who had heard the good news in verses 9 through 11. And among all those listed, he actually says there were visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. And proselytes in this context was converts to Judaism and had come to celebrate in this great Jewish feast. And then they had uh, been apprehended by the Spirit of God. What a powerful picture. So the thought uh, among most theologians is that these new Christians went back to Rome and the church or churches, because there's a really strong case that we can make for uh, this being multiple churches throughout Rome, uh, the churches were established. But my point for today is that Paul has still never met them. Paul wasn't the guy who planted the church there. In Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, we see it. Paul writes this. He says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Now look at verse 10. This is where it's found. Always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now... At last, or finally, finally, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. He's never actually succeeded in getting to these people in Rome. So he's longed to be with them, but, but never been able to be present. Romans 1.13 confirms the same point. I do not want you to be unaware, Paul says, that often I have planned to come to you, and there's the line, and have been prevented thus far. Paul has been prevented from getting to these people over and over. Romans 15, 20 actually tells us why Paul has been prevented. And I I absolutely love this. It's actually going to lead to one of our first points in what makes for a great church. In Romans 15, 20, Paul says, And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who have no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. But look at verse 22. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. 
So why has Paul been prevented from going to the church in Rome? Why, why is it that he's never actually seen them face to face? He has a job. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. He has a responsibility to plant uh, basically the foundation of Jesus Christ in every ear that has never heard of the name of Jesus. And he knows, somehow he knows, that there already is a foundation of Christ being planted or that has been established inside of Rome. So Paul has never seen them, and he's never seen them because he's busy. (laughs) He's never seen them because he actually has work to do. So number one, Paul has never met these people, and that is because someone else, again, laid the foundation of Christ there. For any leaders in the room, this is our first principle of what makes for a great church. And that is that a great church doesn't require our fingerprints. Rome was a great church. I'm going to make that case in just a second. It was a great church, and Paul had never been there. Paul didn't have his seal of approval on Rome. And it didn't require Paul's seal of approval in Rome. It doesn't require my seal of approval here at Pierce Point. The truth is, it requires God's fingerprints in order to have a great church. This gets back to the beginning of this, and that is that all of our definitions of a great church must be derived from the Word of God. They have to come from what God says. Otherwise, uh, otherwise we, we might have a really cool organization. We might do very noble things, but we might miss the point entirely. 